Well, I'm going to warn you, I haven't preached in four weeks, so I might get a little carried away, amen? Um, I, I almost got carried away in Sunday school, amen? I almost uh, shouted and lapped the building. Is that all right with y'all if I do that, amen? I had knee replacement surgery. It'll be uh, four weeks ago tomorrow, and I can stand on it. I'm, uh, I'm doing good. Thank you. But I'm going to be a little lazy for at least a couple more weeks and sit on this stool, if that's all right with y'all, okay? But I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you again to Brother Doug Hanning for preaching for me while I was gone, and Brother Martin Ibarra for uh, preaching and uh, standing in the gap, and everybody, that uh, all of our deacons and just folks stepping up to the plate. You don't realize how much it takes everybody to do this uh, until you can't do it, amen? And then it takes everybody uh, to make it happen and to accomplish it, amen? I'm going to share something. Yes. Somebody's car alarm's going off in the name of Jesus, amen? Shouting amen from the, from the parking lot. Okay, it's good, all right. We won't, unless you want to reveal yourself, we won't say who that was. <laughs> you can go ahead and silence your phone while you're at it too, amen? That's just a friendly reminder, all right. I'm going to preach to you today, and you may say, now, Brother Mark, this is kind of a weird subject, but I wanted to kind of talk to you today about sharing your faith, evangelism. And you may say, well, Brother Mark, do you not realize that we're in the middle of a pandemic, and uh, we need uh, messages on, on hope and all that, and I, I definitely want to give you hope. But I want to tell you today that uh, there never has been a better time to get ramped up for sharing your faith than the time that we're living in right now. People have never been more desperate for hope. People have never been more desperate for Jesus. People have never been more desperate to need the gospel and to need to give their lives to Jesus. And quite honestly, people are scared. There is a lot of fear. People are afraid of the unknown and the future. And I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, it can be a very scary time. But I want to tell you today, now, will giving everything to Jesus take all your fears away or any of that? No, but I'm here to tell you, it can sure help a lot. When you know the one who holds your very life in their hands, you don't have to fear death. The Bible tells me that uh, death has no victory. Death has no sting for a Christian. Amen. So you can't, as Brother Mike used to say, you can't threaten me with heaven. Amen. And you cannot threaten me with heaven. And so, uh, you know, it does not... Remove all the fear, does not remove all the anxiety, but I can tell you today, I don't have to fear death as a Christian. Amen? I don't have to fear the unknown because I know that he holds my life in his hands and he holds this world in his hands. Amen? And guess what? I've read the back of the book, and we win. Now, come on, y'all. I've read the back of the book, and we win. Woo! Come on. So you don't have to fear the future. Now, does that mean necessarily things will get better uh, rather than get worse? No, not necessarily. But if it all works together in accomplishing God's will, then I'm for it. Amen? And I want you to know, uh, God is in control. And I have said this before. I, I preached this a few weeks ago before I had the surgery. That, listen, I want you to understand that God uh, understands that if there's going to be a new body, then the old one has to die. Guess what? Everybody's freaking about, out about death. Can I, can I just burst your bubble right here? Everybody in this room, shh, don't tell anybody. Everybody in this room is going to die. Unless the Lord comes back, 
Unless you get to be here for the rapture, everybody in this room is going to die. Death is a fact of life. But guess what? It's not whether you're going to die or not, because I, I, can, I can guarantee you, short of the Lord coming back, we're all going to die in this room. It's not if you're going to die. It's when you die. And the question is not even are you going to die. The question is are you ready to die? Because, listen, never has it been more obvious that you need to be ready at all times than right now. I want, to, I want you to go to the first scripture today. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, and it says this, and this is what Peter said. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense or an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So you and I need to always be ready to give an answer. Now, I'm here to tell you, death is a fact. Uh, whether you die from COVID-19, whether you die from getting out of here and getting in a car wreck, whether you die from cancer, there are many ways to die, but death is a fact of life. And in fact, the Lord knew that, and the Lord said, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, a judgment. And guess who sets the appointment? You don't get to set the appointment. God sets the appointment, and he's not revealing to you when that appointment is. So what is the key to that? The key with what that says to me is, is I need to be, as Peter says, I need to be ready at all times. You don't know when the appointment is, and it may come at a day when you least suspect it. So you need to always be ready. So my question to you today may seem a little morbid, but it's true. Are you ready to die? Amen. Are you ready to die? It could be today. It could be tomorrow. Maybe you'll be lucky. Maybe it'll be 60, 70 years from now. Who knows? I'm here to tell you, but you got to be ready every single day. As Peter is saying here, be ready to always give an answer. So here's the thing. Uh, I want to know something. Uh, go and put that next slide up. Here's the question. How many of you know someone who is a candidate for the life-changing, eternity-altering love of Jesus? How many of you know somebody? Either in your family, who you work with, where you go to school, in your neighborhood. Truth be told, everybody in this room knows somebody that needs to get with Jesus. They either don't know Jesus at all, or they know him, but they have wandered far away from him. Can I share this today? If you are a Jesus follower, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Did you know you're the salt of the earth? Have you ever eaten anything? You know, nothing personal against hospital food, but when you go to the hospital and you go to the hospital cafeteria, everybody there is on some kind of diet, low sodium. So when you go to the hospital cafeteria, they don't salt anything, do they? What does food taste like without salt or without any seasoning? horrible. It's bland, isn't it? It has no flavor, and people hate it. That's why. Because, and it aggravates me now. Now you got to go, and you got to remember to ask for salt and pepper everywhere you go now. Amen? But uh, salt is what gives it the flavor. And you and I, Jesus, he, you are the salt of the earth. And then he also said you are the light of the world, that we are wandering around in darkness, but you and I are like the flashlights of the world. We should be shining the light of Jesus every single place we go. And Jesus told us this. Now I want you to listen. We've all heard this. 
Jesus said this. He told us to go into all the world and share the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Does that sound like a request? That sounds like a commandment to me, doesn't it? Go into all the world. So what I'm sharing with you today, you may say, well, this is not the right message for a pandemic. Oh, I beg to differ. It's exactly the right message in pandemic because you need hope. Everybody around you needs hope. Everybody that you work with that you may have not seen for several months now, they need hope. Everybody living in your neighborhood needs hope. And you may say, well, Mark, we're all quarantined in our house. How in the world would we be able to share the gospel with those people? Amen? Never in history has there been a time where you don't have to see people face-to-face share the gospel. Again, these things can cause a lot of trouble in our lives, but guess what? Uh, It's an inanimate object. What the devil can use for bad, God can use for good. Do you know I can get on right here right now, and I literally could send a group text to everybody in my contact list, and I could just share the gospel, and I could hit a button, send it out to all my contacts. Immediately, spontaneously sharing the gospel with everybody in my contact list. You've never lived in a time in history where it's easier to share your faith, share the good news of the gospel, than in this day and time. Do you think that's a mistake, or do you think maybe God has something to do with that? God knows. Uh, we live in a day and time, and you may say, well, we can't, we're not even having contact with people, and people are staying away from each other. Guess what? Now you need to share the gospel. You need to get on this phone, and rather than spending your day scrolling through Facebook, uh, wasting hours and hours and hours, why not witness to people? Why not witness to the people in your contact? Why not give people encouragement and hope? You know what I try to do? Uh, I, got, I got hacked. My Facebook got hacked. And I don't have Facebook right now. And guess what? I kind of freaked out the first day. But then every other day since then, I'm kind of getting freed up a little bit. Amen? And I'm getting freed up. It's, I don't have, you know, I'm not spending near as much time. It's amazing how you can't spend near as much time scrolling Facebook when you don't have a Facebook page. Amen? And so, um, you know, I got a hack. I'm probably going to have to start another one. So if you get a friend request from me, it is legit. I'm probably going to have to start another one. But here's the thing. What I've discovered is, is rather than spending all that time, I can just scroll through my contacts. And if God puts somebody on my heart as I'm scrolling through, I can just immediately send them a text, say a prayer for them, and just send them a text. And I can't tell you how encouraging this is to people because I've heard back from people. Hey, I just want you to know I was thinking about you right now, and I just prayed for you. And I want you to know I just lifted up your name to the throne, and I prayed for you, and I love you. Do you know how encouraging that is to somebody? doesn't take very long. doesn't take but a second. And I could literally, in sitting in my car waiting on something else, I could literally send that to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people and just pray for them. And it's amazing how we can just be an encourager, how we can share the gospel, how we can share the hope of Jesus with somebody. Amen. So use this thing for something good. Lord knows we use it for plenty of bad stuff. Amen. But try using it for something good. All right. Um, Peter told us, always be prepared to tell somebody. Tell somebody why you have hope. If somebody asks you, say, oh, my hope's in Jesus. Amen. Now listen, sharing the gospel is not that hard. 
once you get over the fear of it, it's real easy. Now, many, in fact, I kind of wanted to do a poll this morning. How many of you got saved right here at Landmark Baptist Church at some point in your life? How many of you got saved? Raise your hand. Come on, don't be shy. Raise your hand. Amen. Now, Brother Randy, I was making reference to you earlier. You got saved. Uh, what age were you? 32 years old. Wanders into, how did you wander into Landmark? Did somebody invite you? Okay, somebody, somebody took the time, loved you enough to invite you to church. You came in, heard the gospel, gave your life to Jesus. Has your life been totally changed and totally turned around? Man, that helped to make us want to shout. That's what we should desire, amen? Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering, amen? 30, 32, you said? Around there, 32 years old. Life probably heading in one direction, going totally the wrong direction. And Jesus turns him around just like that. Because somebody loved him enough to just say, hey, you know what? You need to come to my church. There's something going on at my church, amen? Isn't that awesome? That's what we should be doing. Everybody in here, you may say, well, I don't know the Bible good enough, or I'm, I'm scared somebody will reject me. Well, boo-hoo, buttercup. Uh, come on. Listen, everybody in here, if nothing else can just say, you know what, i got a great church. Are you struggling? You know, man, I'm, I've been depressed, can't get out of the house and all this going on. Uh, you know what, you need, some, you need to come check out my church. Everybody in this room could do that. That's all somebody did with Randy. And then Randy found the love of Jesus and got his life turned around. Everybody in this room can do that. Amen? And there's stories all over this room. I'm going to share a little bit of my story with you just because it's the only one I've lived. But I want to tell you, I was heading in one direction. And just like, uh, just like Randy, not the exact same story, not the exact same age, but just like him, when you meet Jesus, your life should change. Your life should turn around. Amen? And if you may say, well, I've, I've tried that Jesus thing. If your life hadn't changed, you ain't met the same Jesus I've met. Because I'm here to tell you, Everybody, if you read your Bible, everybody that met the Lord Jesus Christ was different when they met him. Everybody that encountered and had a relationship with Jesus Christ, their life was never the same again. So I want to tell you today, if your life hadn't changed, you need to meet him, all right? You need to really meet him, all right? So uh, let's go to the next slide. Why do we hesitate to share our faith? All right? Number one, I've already mentioned it. We are afraid. We're fearful. What are we afraid of? Somebody tell me. What are we afraid of? I'm going to be interactive today, so feel free to shout out. Amen? Do what? Rejection. All right. What else are we afraid of? Hmm? Persecution. We're afraid somebody's going to make fun of us. Yeah? What else? Being different. Yeah. Who wants to be a freak? Amen? Y'all remember, are y'all old enough to remember the DC Talk song? Now, this is back in the 90s. Jesus Freak. And, it's, and basically, a line in the song says, if I'm going to be a freak, I'm going to be a freak for Jesus. Amen? Ain't nothing, more, uh, ain't nothing better to be a freak about than to be a Jesus freak. Amen? What else are we afraid of? Anything else? When you really look at it, at it in the great scheme of things, if somebody needs their life changed and their life turned around... You know, I heard this, I've always heard this uh, statement. I don't really know who to give it credit to, but I've always loved it. Uh, me sharing my faith with somebody is like one beggar 
who found a piece of bread telling another beggar where to go find a piece of bread. You see, I was starving one day. I was spiritually starving, and I needed the bread of life. And somebody loved me enough to share and say, you know what, there's the bread of life, and you can go get you. I found I was a beggar too. I was starving, and I found that bread of life, and I want to share with you, you can get some of this same bread. Is it any mistake that Jesus described himself as bread and water and air? There are things in your life that are substantial to you being able to live, and those are the things. Food, water, air. And Jesus says, I am those things. I am exactly what you need. And I want to hear tell you today, I, I didn't intend to get emotional, but we should get emotional. Amen? If Jesus has changed your life, it should make us emotional. Amen? Because I just want you to have what I've had. Have I lived a perfect life? No. Have I made a lot of terrible mistakes? Yes. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus has turned my life around. My life would look totally different. Jesus took me on a course, and I was heading down the wrong road. And Jesus took me, and he took me in his arms, and he changed me and sent me down the right road. And my life looks totally different than it would have looked if I'd have never met Jesus. And all I want to share with you is that you could have that same thing too. Jesus can make a difference in your life. Amen? And that's all sharing our faith is, is loving somebody enough to just say, man, I want you to have what I have. I don't want you to go through life with no purpose and no meaning. I want you to have what I have. Amen? Man. Number two, we don't feel qualified. Anybody in here don't feel qualified? Raise your hand. Guess what? You aren't. Neither am I. You could be the greatest Bible scholar in the world, and you still wouldn't be qualified. Amen? You don't have to be qualified. You may say, well, Brother Mark, I don't know enough Scripture. John 3.16. Everybody in here could witness all over the place with John 3.16. I've shared the Roman road with you. You know what the Roman road is? Everybody in here could learn four or five Scriptures. It's uh, Romans um, Romans 3.23, Romans 5.8, and Romans 10.9 and 10. Yep. And you could memorize those, and you can witness all day long. Amen. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a seminary graduate or a seminary professor. All you really need is to know, I met Jesus. He changed me. He can change you too. That's all you really need to know. Amen. Number three. Oh, here's a big one. And this goes back to the freak thing, too. We don't want to be pushy. Now, anybody in here ever know a pushy Christian? <laughs> Come on. Don't be all spiritual on me. Anybody in here ever know a pushy Christian? Sure. Sure. Amen. And, you know, we've all encountered that. But I'm here to tell you, my job is not to beat you over the head with the Bible and judge and condemn you with the Bible. My job is simply to love you enough to share the gospel out of love. So it's not what you share. Husbands and wives, can I say this? It ain't what you say. What is it? Thank you very much. If it works in marriage, it works in everything. Amen? It's not what you say, husbands. It's how you say it. 
It ain't what you say, wives. It's how you say it. All right? So when I share the gospel, that is as true as it can be. When I share the gospel, there's two ways to share the gospel. Here's one way. You don't know Jesus? Oh, you're going to burn. You're going to go straight to hell. You're going to burn like a crispy critter. You better get right or get left. You are on your way to frying. Bless God, you are, you are burning hell straight up. I can already see the flames flickering off of you. You need to get Jesus, and you need to, get your, you need to be like me and get your life right. That's one way. That's the wrong way. Or you can do what I just did a minute ago, and I say, I love you so much. I just want to share with you how, what a difference Jesus has made in my life. And all I want for you is I want you to experience that same thing. I love you so much that I want to share this with you. Amen? Now, there's two, two things but told in totally opposite ways. It's not what you say. It is how you say it. I'm here to tell you I haven't ever had anybody reject me who I said, you know what? Can I share the gospel with you? And I just want to love you, and then I want to pray for you. doesn't matter whether you accept it, whether you don't accept it. You can, I'll go my way, but I want, to, I want to pray for you. I want to take the time to pray for you. I want to pray a blessing over you. And if you don't mind, I'd just like to share the gospel. Uh, in, in 30 years of doing that, I've maybe uh, been rejected once or twice out of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds. In fact, I can say this. When I've offered to pray for people, I've never been turned down. Because even atheists want to cover all their bets. <laughs> In fact, I kind of I submit to this theory. I don't believe there are any, are any real atheists. I think there are people who don't want to admit that there's a God. I, because mainly, people don't want to admit there's a God. Because if I admit there's a God, then all of a sudden... I got to believe that, and I got to be accountable to that, and I don't want, I want to be in control of my own life and my own destiny, and I do not want to submit to that. Uh, and I submit there are people who just don't want to submit. Amen. As the old saying goes, you go to war, there are no atheists in the foxholes. Everybody's praying to God. Amen. So here's the thing. But Jesus is not that way. Jesus is not trying to condemn you into heaven. Jesus said, I love you so much. Uh, and God says this, I love you so much. John three sixteen, the one everybody in here knows, that I love you so much that I sent my son to die for your sins. And that if you will believe in him, you, should, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. God says, that's how much I love you. He doesn't say it with condemnation. He doesn't say it with judgment. He says it with a heart pouring out of love and says, I sent my one and only son to die for you. That's how much I love you. Amen. All right. So you don't have to be pushy. Do it with a heart of love. Number four. And number four is probably the biggest. We are complacent. How many of you besides me, I'll, I'll be the first to confess, how many of you besides me are lazy? Well, look at there. Boy, confession time all over the place. Amen. I am lazy. I can do nothing better than anybody I know. Amen. I can veg out. I can go sit in my lazy boy, kick that thing back to maximum, turn on the TV, and I can just veg out. Veg out. Amen. So we are complacent. We can be complacent and lazy in life. And guess what? In your Christian walk, it's very easy and tempting to do the same thing. I can be complacent and lazy in my spiritual walk. And I fear number four is probably the biggest problem. Because 
I would dare say probably most of us in here, we know Jesus. We've given our life to him. He has changed our life. But many of us are not sharing the gospel because we just we kind of lost that fire. We kind of lost that passion. We kind of just got lazy and complacent. Amen. So I fear that for many of us, number four is the biggest culprit. All right. Now, I want to share this with you. All right. Go to the next one there, brother. It says this. I want to remind you. Number one, you do not need a degree. Number two, you do not have to be an expert. Number three, you do not need to have all the answers. You are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you are called to reach people for Christ. Now, the greatest thing, the greatest power that all of us have in sharing our faith is you, if you know Jesus, let me stand up. Stand on this new knee. I'm going to look at all of you, all right? I'm going to go all the way around the room. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, well, Brother Mark, what about all these people talk about, you know, that it's a different feeling and all this? Listen, when you got saved, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came to live and reside within you. All right? But now here's the kicker. You decide you're like a water faucet, and you decide and you control how much of the Spirit you're going to allow to control you and in your life, and how much is going to be the flesh. Here's, here's a, bad, a bad scenario for all of us. Uh, you are filled with the Spirit of God living right here. Can I get an amen? amen? But guess what? Here's the bad news. You see this stuff right here? If I really loved you, I'd cut myself so you could see my blood. But believe me when I tell you, there's blood flowing through my veins. Amen? You are flesh and blood. And when you get saved, that doesn't go away. And there will be a battle within you. And this is what makes living the Christian life hard. Is getting saved hard? No, it's easy. Jesus did all the work. He died on the cross. It's his blood. All right? But living for Jesus can be hard. Why? Because it's like, and Paul said it. Go to Romans 7 and read it. Paul said this, and he was frustrated. He said, it's, there's a war going on inside of me. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the very things that I do. <clears throat> and he said, oh, wretched man that I am. And Paul is just telling this whole struggle in Romans chapter 7 that there is a war going on between his flesh and the Spirit of God that lives in him. Can I tell you that every person in this room, if you know Jesus, you are fighting that battle. But you are filled with the Spirit of God. But it's your determination how much you're going to allow that Spirit to control your life. Now, I'm here to tell you, you, get, you start filling up and you start turning that Holy Spirit spigot on, and you start filling up with the Holy Spirit and you get more and more full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to get convicted and you're going to love people so much that you're going to want to go tell somebody about Jesus. Amen? Amen? That's where you and I, and how do you do it? You feed the Spirit the Spirit will pour into you. You feed the flesh, the flesh will pour into you. In fact, if you want the flesh to take over, just keep on living. Watch TV, read magazines, take in all the stuff of the world, and guess what? That feeds the flesh. Amen? But it takes a little more intentionality to feed the Spirit. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to pray. You've got to develop that personal relationship with the Lord. Amen? So fill yourself with the Spirit. All right? Now, I want to share my testimony, just a little bit of it, because I'm going to share with you how to share 
with somebody. We just covered why people don't share. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to work. I'm going to get my rehab in here this morning. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll sit some and stand some. Here's the thing you need to understand. Uh, your story is your story. That's going to be one of the points coming up. I'm getting ahead of myself. But I want to share my story with you and show you how to do it. You ought to be able to share with people your story in two minutes or under. Now, usually what I do is when I go and I witness people, um, it's, it's about a relationship. And I may know the person uh, ahead of time. I may not know the person ahead of time. But I just get to know a little bit about them. I ask them about uh, their likes, their interests. Uh, and then I just kind of try to get a little bit of a history. Hey, hey well, tell me, tell me about your life. Did you, did you grow up in Tyler? Yeah. Uh, did you grow up in church? Did you have any kind of a, a background in church? Did your mom and dad take you to church? Some people will be yes. Some people will be no. Uh, then I, I try to dig a little deeper. Uh, well, what church? And, you know, did you, uh, did you ever make a decision for the Lord, you know, back there in those days? And, uh, you know, the answer will be different because every individual it's a, has a different story, all right? Uh, and then sometimes, depending on uh, how my story fits with theirs, I'll either share my story or maybe my story doesn't fit. But here's my story. I was not raised in church. Um, when I was 12 years old, the bus ministry showed up at my house, and they said, free, uh, free hot dogs and free Kool-Aid. I said, I'll be there, all right? And so me and my two, sis my two younger sisters got on the bus, and we went to church. Uh, my parents got convicted, and they said, you know what? We don't need to send our kids. We need to take our kids. So we began going to church. And from the ages of 12 to 15, I was a church attender. Now, I don't know if you know what that is. Basically, what that means is, is I was attending church on Sunday, but on Monday through Saturday, I was a little hellion. Amen? I was living a totally different life. I was attending church. Now, why would this story maybe, again, by what they've shared with me, I may understand maybe they grew up in church, but they didn't really get nothing when they were there when they grew up in church. Well, guess what? For three years, I attended church, and there was no change in my life. I didn't know Jesus. I heard, I heard them talk about him. I knew about him, but I did not know him. I didn't have a relationship with him. So for three years, I attended church with no relationship with Jesus. So, again, that may apply to that person. Maybe that's their story. I, and I'm, what I'm letting them know is it's very possible for you to be a church attender and be lost as a goose. All right? And then I tell them, but it, at the age of 15, I, I was at a revival, and I was fixing to go into high school, and uh, the evangelist got up there, and he preached on a, 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 a piece of scripture that says, uh, if any man be in Christ, behold, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. And I knew that I'd been attending church for the last three years. I'd been going there and being there just about every Sunday morning. But I knew I didn't, I didn't have any change. I was not a new creation. There had been no change in my life. And he said, if you've not had that change in your life, you need to really meet Jesus. And so I walked down that aisle that night. And my life totally changed. I really met Jesus. When I was 12, I started going to church. That's a totally different thing. And pe some people need to hear that. They need to understand. I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm not asking you if your member's on a, on a roll somewhere. I'm not asking you if you've ever walked down an aisle, shook a preacher's hand, or signed a card. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? Has he changed your life? Now let me turn that around. If he's not changed your life, you need to meet Jesus because he will.
change your life. Amen. And then I just share with them that my life totally changed. I started living for the Lord, and I surrendered to the ministry, and God totally turned my life around. I went from a very shy kid, never intended to be a preacher. Uh, I did like music. God started with that, and then I became a preacher, and God took me places and did things I never would have thought possible. You can share it real easy. And guess what? My story will resonate with some people, but it won't with other people. Randy's story would resonate with some other people, you know. Uh, I was 12 and 15, you know. Uh, I was a sinner, but you can only sin so much, you know, if, up to 15. And now, Randy, he probably did a lot better at 32, amen? He probably got a lot more good stuff in there, amen? But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter. Some people will relate more to Randy's story. Some people will relate more to me. And sometimes you go out and you share in pairs, and you, that's where you can kind of say, all right, Randy, this story kind of fits you more. You share your story, amen. But you, you need to learn to be able to just share your story in under two minutes and just say, this is, this is what happened in my life. Because people don't need you to be a Bible scholar. People don't need you to give them a Bible lesson or to give them another Sunday school lesson. They've had plenty of that. What people want to hear is, oh, he changed your life? Well, tell me how. And you're saying he can change my life in the same way? People want hope. They want something real, and they want somebody to say, he changed my life, and he can do it in your life too. That's what they need to hear, amen? People need hope. And today, more than ever, people need hope. Can I get an amen? All right, real quickly, um, I'm going to give you three things on sharing the love of Jesus. Number one, you can use what you have, all right? There was a guy in the Bible named Levi. You'll learn, know him as Matthew. He was one of the disciples, but his original name was Levi, and he was a tax collector. Tax collectors were basically just bad people back then. They would make up the tax, and they'd pocket the rest. They were basically crooks, all right? And everybody hated them because they were basically legal crooks. They were coming around collecting tax. People had to pay the tax, but everybody knew they were sticking half of it in their pocket. So everybody knew they were, they were dishonest, and everybody knew they were bad, and everybody hated them. So here's a guy nobody likes. What a great candidate to share the love of Jesus, a guy that nobody likes and everybody already hates. But Jesus knows what he's doing, all right? And so um, uh, put the next one up there. Uh, he wasn't a preacher, and he had no religious training. Next one. Uh, he would have failed miserably at handling rejection. And Levi had never served in leadership or done anything in the church before. And the only thing he knew was how to throw a party. So Levi had one talent, one gift. He knew how to throw a party. So guess what Levi did? Let's look at it in Luke chapter 5, verses 29 through 32. It says this. Then Levi gave him a great toast in his own house. A great feast in his own house, sorry. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes uh, and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and the sinners? Okay. Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. So it says at the beginning that Levi threw a feast. Levi met Jesus, and Jesus changed Levi's life, and he becomes Matthew. 
literally Jesus to signify it when you met him and you changed your life, he would literally give you a new name to signify that it was to- you were totally changed. So he went from being Levi, now he's Matthew. That's how much change happened. And he didn't have but one talent. He knows how to throw a party. So that's what he does. He throws a party, invites all these people, and they come. And uh, what do the religious people do? They get on to Jesus. They did not understand Jesus. And they said, why do you eat with these tax collectors and sinners? He said, I've come for the sick. The sick need a doctor. Those who are well or who think they're well, they don't need a doctor. Guess what? Can I tell you today, I'm sick. You're sick. We're all sick in our sin. We need a doctor. Amen. And Dr. Jesus is the one who showed up. Amen. And Jesus said, I didn't come to be religious. I didn't come to make all you Pharisees and Sadducees happy with me. I came because people are sick in their sin and they need a Savior. Amen. That's good stuff. All right. Uh, so uh, you use what you have. If you're, good at, um, if you're good at throwing a party, throw a party. If you're good at uh, cooking things on the grill, man, we had a... We had a big deal, and David Burks came, and everybody brought a steak, and David uh, just loves cooking on the grill. He's a grill master, and he cooked those steaks, and man, he did it upright, amen? And it is a gift. Use whatever you have. Maybe you're a mechanic, and you need to bless uh, single mothers and give them free mechanic work and, uh, and free oil changes. God can use whatever you have. Just figure it out and use it, all right? Number two, you can invite someone to church. Now, I used Randy as an example. How did Randy meet Jesus? Somebody loved him enough to just invite him to church. Amen. So guess what? I'm a little biased. I think you got a good church right here. Amen. So invite somebody. Amen. And I guarantee you, if you'll get them here, I will do my best to share Jesus with them. Amen. And I will do my best to get them to meet Jesus. All right. Uh, so everyone can do that. John 4, 28 through 30 says this. Uh, you remember the woman at the well. The woman then left her water pot and her, went her way back into the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him. This lo- woman at the well was not well thought of in her community. But she met Jesus. Jesus changed her life. And she went back into town and said, I don't know who this guy is, but he told me everything I'd ever done. And there's something different about him. Y'all need to come see him. So everybody, she just invited everybody out there. And they all went out there and met Jesus. All right. And the Bible literally says because of that one woman at the well, the entire city was converted. Everyone in that city came to know the Lord because of that one woman opening her mouth and just saying, I don't know who this guy is. I can't even tell you a whole lot, but come on. Amen. And again, everybody in this room can at least do that. How many of you know somebody that needs church right now? How many of you know somebody that needs hope right now? How many of you need somebody to know they just need to know somebody cares? Somebody gives a rip. We all need that right now. Amen. Did you know that suicide is up? Alcoholism is up. People are killing themselves unprecedented. Depression is up. Alcoholism is up. Drug use is up. It is all up, all right? And last, and I'll be done. Number three, and I've already alluded to it, you can share your story. Your story is unique to you, all right? Uh, And John 9, 25 through 27 says this. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. 
Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Now, this was the blind guy that Jesus healed. <coughs> and so the Pharisees and Sadducees, again, they're always looking for a way to trip Jesus up. He healed him on the Sabbath. And so they go to him, and they said, what happened? He said, I don't know. I don't know nothing. I'm, all I know is I was blind, and now I see. Does that sound like a Bible scholar? Does that sound like a seminary graduate? No. Sounds like somebody who Jesus healed him, and he said, I don't know nothing, but here's my story. My story is I was blind, and now I see. And then they want to get on him again, and he says, I already told you you didn't listen. Do you want to come to him too? Why are you making fun of him, basically? Amen? So here's the thing you need to understand. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. You don't need to know tons of Scripture. You just need to know Jesus and know how you met him. Now, if you're confused of whether you really know him or not, you need to get that settled today. If you're confused of whether your life has really changed, you need to meet him today. But for anybody in this room who says, oh, I know Jesus, I've met him, and he changed my life, we all ought to be sharing it. Amen? Because you got a story, and I got a story. All right? Now, the last thing, and I'm going to put it up here as kind of a, just a, a thing for you to do mentally, or you can even do this on a piece of paper. Five people to pray for an opportunity to share. Here's been the difficult thing. Brother Mike came to me uh, January of 2019, and he said, Brother Mark, I want you to pray about coming in with Landmark. Bring your people. We, we had a church that we had started, and we were meeting at Landmark's property on Sunday afternoon. And Brother Mike said, I've been diagnosed with this. I've only been given so long. I want you to pray about coming. And so we began to pray and have conversations. And basically, Easter a year ago was, was our first Sunday together. Uh, now I'm here to tell you, we were in the middle of building this building. And we were in the middle of, and Brother Mike was sick, and all that was going on. And basically what I'm telling you is, We've spent, and then the pandemic ha happened. We, we, tried, we spent all of our energy getting, getting this thing finished, getting it built, getting it finished, and thank God to everybody who's had a part in that. Uh, and then uh, and Brother Mike passed away in the middle of that. And then, uh, and then the pandemic hits. We get to be in this building for about two months, and then the pandemic hits, and we had to shut her down for a couple months. And then we've been back in it for a couple months. But I, here I'm here to tell you is, uh, we've been going, I've, I've been the pastor here for a little over a year now, and we really haven't been able to put any concentration into sharing the gospel and going out and growing this church. But I'm here to tell you, we're in here today, we're back in the saddle, I got a new knee, praise God, amen, and we're going to get on the business of seeing people come to know Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, Miss Julie, if you'd come, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And we're going to do this. If you don't know Jesus, if all this I've been talking about, you say, well, gosh, I've gone to church and I've done those things. But, you know, I, there really hasn't been a change in my life. I want to encourage you today. If you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven if you die, you just need to nail that down today. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. With every head bowed and every head closed, just pray this prayer with me and say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, I ask you, Jesus, to just come into my heart and forgive me my sins and save me. I ask you 
to do that, Jesus. I want to know you. Change my life.